0: Well, good day and welcome to another episode here of the Disaster Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Davis, the Pod Medic, and we're back with a special episode tonight. I'm going to be talking about kind of a retrospective as we are at the nine and a half year mark or so. Um, we're coming up on our 10th anniversary in the coming year, and we just kind of were feeling reflective as we counted back and looked at some of the past years of episodes we've done, and uh, we're going to get into that in just a second. But first, we have to bring on my co-host, since the very beginning, Sam Bradley. Hey, Sam.
1: Ah, yes. Since the very beginning is where we're going to go. We have the DePod ones with us tonight. Anything uh, exciting in the weather, Dan, besides it's always raining in Colorado? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, I I mean, I think that's good news overall, Sam, but you're right. It's been a... Pretty wet pattern this time of year in Colorado, which is more typical of later in the summer when you get the uh, monsoon moisture up there in Colorado. But really across the rest of the United States, it's been, I would say, on the quieter side of things. As we head into the the Memorial Day weekend, I think the exception this Memorial Day will be in the southeast, where it's going to be unusually chilly and wet in places like Raleigh and Charlotte, where it's going to be the temperature, for instance. The high temperature on Saturday in Charlotte is going to be closer to the average high temperature of late February the high of 59 on saturday charlotte's so a little chilly and wet down there with a coastal storm bringing them rain but aside from that most places are pretty quiet um dry and warm uh, i think probably the most interesting weather that i've seen globally is typhoon i think it's mawar or mawar uh, which uh just went very close to guam yeah. um, out in the western pacific and really caused us some some damage in some of those islands out there, uh, really striking satellite images of that typhoon. Uh, pretty impressive storm.
1: Yeah, I hope they hold it together there. I heard they had a lot of high winds and stuff. So anything uh, looking interesting for the rest of the week?
2: I. I- I I think I think overall we're we're in in the U.S. It's we're fairly quiet. We are. I mean, this typhoon is in the Western Pacific, so we're going to start turning our attention to the hurricanes here in the Atlantic Basin soon. With uh, June first being the official start of the hurricane season, I saw that uh, the National Hurricane Center NOAA uh, just came out with their uh, forecast today. I think we can talk about that at some point. This this uh, coming weeks as well. With I think they're going with a pretty close to average season. That's when most of the forecast. Uh, providers are saying is that probably somewhere around normal will be what's expected. But as we always say, it only takes one storm. So time to be thinking about that if you live in a coastal location that's prone to, or really any coastal location from Brownsville, Texas, all the way to Maine. Uh, you should have a hurricane plan if you're near the coast.
1: Indeed. Yeah, I was listening to NPR today and they were saying, well, the good news is the high winds uh, tend to break up the formation of hurricanes, but the bad news is the water's warmer. So I don't know. And we have an El, El Nino, I guess it is. So I don't know how that's going to balance out.
2: Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch it this year. As you mentioned, Sam, the, um, between El Nino and La Nina, we've been in a La Nina pattern, which generally favors more storms, more the environment, conducive for more hurricanes and tropical storms. And in El Nino, you typically have more wind shear, which that shear usually disrupts the circulation of these storms. Um, But that's sort of on the average over the course of the season. And there's times of the season where the wind shear uh, slackens off and you can get storms. On the flip side, the water in the Atlantic Basin is really some of the warmest water we've ever seen. Um, And that's obviously the fuel for these storms. So it'll be interesting um, sort of a battle, I guess, between the, the wind shear that will likely be more than normal and uh, which disrupts storms and the water temperatures, which will be warmer than normal, which usually fuels storms. So we'll have a lot to watch here as we head into the hurricane season starting on June 1st.
1: Indeed. Hello, Miss
2: Becky. Anything you'd like to
1: add?
3: Just that you should still be prepared for hurricane season, even if you are not explicitly on the coast, because inland flooding is a very significant threat. Uh, as we saw in the previous years with storms like Ida and Irene bringing lots of flooding to inland locations, even as far inland as, as the Catskills in New York. So I'll add that. Florence <laughs> Dan says.
0: No, I, I can't even keep them all
1: straight at this point. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was I looking
2: at all the
0: different the ones we've covered. The, the last couple like, of years, I, I have we've seen some significant storms you know, become extra tropical and still pack a punch farther into the inland areas of the country than I remember in past years. I don't know if that's actually the case. It might be anecdotal, but that, that inland flooding is, is, you know, a real problem when you start talking about getting into the central part of Georgia and, and inland farther than that. So, um, would you agree, Becky? I mean, that that's, I think what we're talking about.
3: Yeah, exactly right, Jamie. Um, it, it, yeah, particularly when the storms make that transition, you know, if they're if they're strong enough to be considered, you know, a hurricane or a tropical entity and they have those wind speeds, generally they're going to be over water. But it's once they move inland, you're, you're done you do yourself once they move inland, um, but they can still have they can still be carrying a lot of moisture. And that's when you get the issues with uh, a lot with, with significant impacts farther
2: away from the coast. Dan, yeah. Just a quick add-on to that. I think the um, that um, the uh, Saffir-Simpson scale, which is what what storms are ranked or rated on, sort of gives can give a false sense of security for folks who are inland, because the Saffir-Simpson scale is just wind speed, and many of these storms have produced significant inland flooding that causes significant damage and unfortunately fatalities uh, can come from storms as they lose wind intensity, but they still have a lot of rain and moisture associated with them. And so it's important to focus on the full threats of the storm and not just the category on the saffir simpson scale and not to be complacent if the uh, category is downgraded from like a category two to a one or from a one to a tropical storm. Don't focus on the category of of the storm, focus on the impacts to your location.
1: Becky, you just uh, sent us something. You want to explain
3: that? Yeah. So the uh, International Public Safety Association um, allows guest bloggers to basically write on whatever topic you want to write on, although they do like them to be uh, a bit timely. Um, And so for May, um, one of the topics was hurricanes. And so I wrote uh, a blog titled Hurricanes, the importance of an all hazards approach to preparedness and response. And I linked that in the chat. We can link it in the show notes if you want. But it talks about as what Dan just said, which is not focusing uh, solely on the scale, because that's only wind, but taking an all-hazards approach, so thinking about flooding and storm surge, severe weather, destructive winds, I, and also it's, it's something we call rapid intensification, which is where a storm can go from you know a Category 1 tropical storm all the way to a Cat 4, Cat 5 in a matter um, of, you know, 60, 72 hours, which we've seen uh, with you know a storm like Hurricane Michael. So you may be seeing the storm out in the Gulf and you're like, oh, well, it's only a cat one, whatever. It's going to be fine. And then the next morning you wake up and it's a cat three expected to be a cat five at landfall and you are out of time to prepare. Um, so just keeping all, the, all these things in mind, the different hazards, tornadoes can be obviously can occur in in hurricanes. So it's not just the wind. That's a hazard. And actually, the greatest threat, the deadliest hazard is the water. So the flooding and the storm surge.
1: Well, I'm sure Jamie will add that uh, that link to the show notes, right? Already copied. (laughs) I knew it. Well, Jamie, let's think. go the way back machine here. Um, September 11th, 2014. What were we doing?
0: Well, we were at uh, EMS World. I believe in Las Vegas. Um, We were taken, uh, we were asked to join uh, our our friend who's now passed away, uh, Ted Sutla, and um, a couple of other fellows who some of the Disaster Podcast team may well well know about, uh, Dr. Joe Holly and um, Jim Logan from Paragon Medical Education Group. And we uh, had a, a dinner with them where we sat down and talked about new media approaches to engaging audiences about different topics. And we talked about the formation of the disaster podcast at that dinner. Um, it was very interesting because there was September 11th remembrance ceremonies going on outside with the Las Vegas fire department and police force and other first responders from the surrounding communities, uh, right outside where we were sitting. And, um, it, it, was, it was just one of those surreal moments where we kind of put this thing together and never really thought about where it would be 10 years down the road, just wanted to talk honestly and, and candidly about uh, being prepared, about educational topics in first response. Um, and, and I look at where it's come to today and all the additional topics and things we've been able to add to the discussion, uh, and it's pretty uh, inspiring.
1: Indeed, and, and I remember um, Joe and Jim, I was just barely getting to know them. They had sat with us and when we were doing uh, live interviews, and, you know, I wanted to get to know them a little better, so we went next door to this uh, Irish bar where there was a lot of drunk firefighters, <laughs> but that's okay, they earned it. Um, and I was talking, just sitting there talking to Joe, and, you know, September 11th is always kind of weird for those of us that were involved in it. But you don't really talk about it much because if you weren't there, you don't get it. So something came up between Joe and I, and I, that's when I found out I was at ground zero, but he was at the Pentagon doing USAR work. And, like, that was an immediate bond. Um, and, and it, it made a big difference. It's, that started my relationship with Joe, and it's been great ever since. Um, and, and through the years, oh my God, how many deployments? I, I lost track of how many uh, either IST or USAR deployments he was on. We'll talk a little bit about some of those. But it, what the one, it, what I what cracked me up today was I'm looking back at 2014. And on July 31st, we did Wilderness EMS versus Disaster EMS, Why Everyone Needs a Foley Catheter. I know you remember that one, Jamie.
0: (laughs) I do. Um, You know, we, we asked everybody what was the one thing that they thought would be a multitask tool to keep in your preparedness kit. And when Joe Holly dropped the, I would bring a Foley catheter with me, um, <laughs> the rest of us just were gobsmacked and <laughs> were instantly intrigued by what he would do with a Foley catheter because you don't think disaster preparedness when you think about such a basic tool of um, urinary continence maintenance in a patient. But uh he, he went on to talk about using it for tourniquet, for uh, a variety of topics. And I'll actually link to that in the show notes.
1: Yeah, you should. I yeah, mean that... And
0: you can look in, listen in that discussion yourselves um, where it was quite intriguing to hear what everybody came up with.
1: Oh, yeah. It was hysterical. Um, July 9th, 2015, we had my cousin, who's a doctor in Denver, Talk about the tornado that hit Denver. And it was a weird thing. She was sitting there in her office working away and, <laughs> and said, uh, the, the screen got sucked out the window. And she said, when you work ER, you have this thing. It's either, you know, your first impression of this patient is either bad sick or not so bad sick. When she saw this thing getting sucked out the window, she goes, that's bad. And uh, it was just a weird thing. It was, you know, it was a perfectly fine day. And then all of a sudden this wind comes up. She looks outside. There's hail all over the place. It looks like it's snowing. And then an immediate flood. And there was some poor lady in her car. I mean, what does it take? Six inches of water to float a car. And she was floating down the street and her neighbor who was also an ER doc went out there and saved her. All of this happened in a period of about 30 minutes. It was quite bizarre. But anyway, I always remember that one. Um, December 2nd, 2016. Do you remember the Gatlinburg wildfire response, Jamie?
0: That's what we were talking Vaguely, about. Vaguely, that was a while. Yeah, it was a while yeah, ago, but um 2016. I remember hearing about. I remember we, we discussed that quite, quite in depth. Yeah. But, you know, when I saw that, I went, oh, I don't
1: remember a lot of those details. Um, February 16, 2017, our first introduction to the X Games with Kyle Nelson. He's been around that long. And that, of course, started a, an annual review of the X Games because he's involved every year. So that was fun and someone i've really missed and i have to get a hold of april 27th 2017 snake bite miss with dr ben abo
0: that ben, actually ben is on my like guess we need to get back in the 10th anniversary year to talk oh, about things yes
1: he's such a hard guy to get a hold of though but i will i will prevail um, but the guy is he's so funny He's the funniest doctor I've ever met. And he's also a USAR doc, so he's been on deployments with Joe. So there's 101 things we should talk about with him. So definitely want to get him back. And he really is a snake snakebite expert. He works with a venom team um, where they supply venom across the country when people need it. And they come to them for it. Okay, and then, of course, August 2017, Hurricane Harvey. Oh, my God. Uh, followed by Hurricane Irma and Joe and I were both deployed to that several times. I think it was five times for both of us because it was just one thing after another, after another. And I remember you, we did that podcast, one of those. Both Joe and I were in our various hotel rooms somewhere in Houston and it was a September 11th, and I don't think either one of us realized it. And you were asking questions about September 11th. And I remember going, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's that. Um, that was a bit strange, but it was interesting. We were doing You know, when we have a disaster of any kind that either of us are deployed on, you know, there's. I know the community loves the, the feedback from the field. As it's happening, and we were able to do quite a bit of that, right, Jamie?
0: Well, that's one of the things I, I've always looked forward to with this show. Uh, we we have the clinical episodes, which are always fun to give that get that review. But I think the thing I look forward to the most are the reports from the field we've gotten from you and Joe and other people during the actual response situation in the aftermath of major events when federal teams finally get boots on the ground and begin working either in a USAR role or in a support role. Joe's lately mostly been deploying as part of the um, IST group. Um, And all of that has given us a real look behind the scenes that I don't hear anybody else doing. You know, in, in mainstream news doesn't even know it really exists as a topic um, for people in the emergency space. Uh, you know, no one else is really covering the needs of these teams on the ground like that and how they pull things together from scratch in a lot of cases.
1: Yes. And, and speaking of that, um, October twenty seventeenth, you and I were going to, I believe it was EMF World In Vegas, right after—I mean, right after the Vegas shooting, Um, that huge shooting at the at the music uh, venues—and it was weird because we were looking around and the, the, the crime scene tape was still up. I mean, it was that fresh, but. You know, we were doing live interviews as we always do, and the interesting thing was we were able to get a hold of some people that were, you know, intimately involved in that in some fashion. And I remember we had—I uh, remember his name right now—but he was brand new with Clark County in a an operations role, and you know, he he told us a lot about that, and also how they were managing the mental health of the responders. Um, that was amazing. We had quite a few interviews, uh, with those folks. Um,
0: his name was deputy chief, Jeff Buchanan of the Clark County fire department. We interviewed him live on camera. Actually, we had a video of that, um, out there somewhere. Um, and it's pretty impressive to see, um, everything that happened as a result of that event, um we we talked with him. We later talked with our friend at um, um Guardian Elite Medical Services, um, who who also had teams responding. Uh there's a lot of things that, that came together in that Las Vegas event that that had such a widespread um look at how emergency services respond to a major disaster multi-casualty incident event like that.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. We got so many personal perspectives on it. It was just amazing. L- later, we interviewed one of the ambulance companies and and how they, you know, they're on scene on standby. How do you suddenly switch from that to managing, you know, the biggest MCI they've ever seen? Um, so it would be fun to go back and look at some of those now. Um, December 2017. Our first visit with Dan Zaner from Neri, and he's certainly become one of our
0: regulars.
1: <laughs> but, well, you know, anytime there's a disaster that involves infrastructure, he's our guy, right?
0: Oh, for sure. And I, I'll bet um, Dan or Becky might want to chime in about the episodes with Dan on because there's so much that he talks about with wind speeds and the, and the, the engineering challenges uh, that come about when thinking about the, the stresses and forces of weather events.
3: Jackie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, Dan's one of my, my favorite guests I have on. I think the work that he and his team is, is doing is just incredibly invaluable. Um, there's so much work to be done at the intersection of, I think engineering infrastructure and weather related disasters, you know, whether it's wind or or water, but I guess wind is mainly his specialty. Um and I think especially as we've seen an increase in, like, the development of of mobile homes that are not safe and how can we make them safer? How can we have, you know, cost-effective and efficient housing that's also safe in high wind events? And I, I think if anybody's going to get us to a point that, you know, is – I don't know where I'm going with that, but Dan can do it. If anybody can get – yeah, for real. Safe buildings that are, you know, cost-effective. I, I think Dan will.
1: He's I, I, the only guy I know that has a wind machine in his garage. Um, the He's fascinating. I'd love to get a beer with him sometime. Fascinating. Dan, any thoughts?
2: Yeah, Dan's been a, a great guest, I, and I think he is it's, it's just a great example of all the different types of, well, fascinating guests that have been on this show. We've only been a part of at least I've only been a part of this for I have to go back I look back, but maybe three years, and Becky, for three or four years, um, and it's just amazing the variety of guests and the expertise of those guests and you know their 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 respective fields. And there's so many adjacent, well, I guess not even adjacent, but things that are related to preparedness and emergency response and the the vast sort of knowledge base of the different people that have been on this program i think is really just a it's really cool and it's it it speaks to the to the really interesting um subject that that emergency preparedness and response is and the and the and the variety of people who really have to work together in in order to make it effective
1: Exactly. It's fascinating. And I know you'll remember this, Jamie, because it still sticks in my mind. But right after Hurricane Maria or during Hurricane Maria, we were again doing live interviews at EMS World, I believe it was. And Dr. Gustavo Flores was there. Um, he had to get out of Puerto Rico because <laughs> they, they didn't have any utilities or anything. So he just he brought his family up to the conference. Remember that?
0: I do. And he just had, a um, you know, his child and um, I think it was a, a little girl, if I remember correctly, the first of his children. Um, I think he has two now. Uh, but the, um, you know, Gustavo is such a great resource for us. I, I first met him when he was in medical school and I was doing the old medic MedicCast podcast, which I had started back in Good Grief back in 2005. And, you know, for a long time ran that show and he was a guest on several times um, and communicated with me um, to help him do some Spanish topic um, webcasts and things um, for people that he was in medical school with at the time. So um, for emergency services and emergency topics. Uh, so it was really, you know, interesting come full circle with him um, as as an ER physician in his community talking about the response there.
1: Yeah, we'll have to catch up with him. We haven't talked with him for quite a while, see what he's doing out there. Um, Speaking of Hurricane Irma, I remember running into one of my former ENT students who is now in medical school, just starting medical school um, in the Caribbean, and she had her mother there with her. They had just gotten there, basically, and, and then Irma Stroke, Stroke, Striked um, hit, <laughs> and they kind of went into a disaster mode, and I thought, yeah, train them right. Um, so that was interesting having that first person perspective. And then in July of 2018, we had the Thai, that was when we had the Thailand cave rescue, and we were able to get hold of the cave diver, Bob Wilson. And he gave us a a really interesting perspective on on dealing with that, which has now been documented in a number of movies and different things. Um, Hurricane Florence, we covered that. Hurricane Barry, I don't remember a lot about that one. That was 2019 in july jamie you remember that one
0: no i I, you know it's funny i I think about hurricanes but i can never remember the names that go with the events in my memory um i think it's uh, i i wonder if that if that's something that meteorologists run through or if they try to tap each other's memory maybe that's a drinking game where you try to remember the names of the hurricanes
1: (laughs) you remember though? dan or (laughs) becky go ahead
3: i was gonna say interestingly enough like well at least speaking for me i am Terrible at trivia when it comes to weather because we overthink it. You like, we get out, we got to ask some like weather hurricane question at trivia several years ago, and we completely missed it because we're like just way in the weeds with it. So, we're actually not that good at trivia.
1: <laughs> Dan, thoughts?
2: Well, it's funny you mentioned Barry because when you mentioned Barry, I literally had no idea what storm we were talking about, so I quickly looked it up. Um, and I still don't know what we're talking about, um, <laughs> but I have no memory of this storm. Hurricane Barry in July of 2019 was what was the wettest tropical cyclone on record in Arkansas and the fourth wettest on record in Louisiana. Um, so, yeah, apparently it was it was sort of a impressive storm from a rainfall perspective, um, but I really have no memory of it. It started in the eastern Gulf of Mexico and went into um, Louisiana as a very weak From a wind perspective, Category One storm and brought a ton of rainfall to Arkansas and Louisiana, including 23 inches in Louisiana in one spot and 17 inches almost in Arkansas. So it shows you there's 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 so many weather events, hard to keep them all straight, and only like the really really impactful ones sort of rise to the top, and the other ones just sort of they sort of all blend together.
0: And I think that. You know that's that's one of those storms though that we used as an example of why the 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 hurricane scale the Saffir Simpson scale is is not necessarily the best way to rate mm-hmm. hurricanes because you said it was a weak hurricane one but it dumped so much rain it caused catastrophic flooding in, in two states.
1: Yep. Yeah, and um, yeah, the title of that was Preparedness Lessons Applied and. In- Hurricane Barry. So it probably had to do with the, the flooding and whatnot. You never know what you're going to get. And of course, January of 2020, dun, 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 COVID. And thank God for Dr. Joe. He, he was so in touch with all the other, you know, infection control docs, not just in the country, but in the world. And we always knew we could depend on him to come up with the very latest. And there was so much that was unknown for so long, that uh, his information was really valuable, right?
0: Hundred percent. And and I think, you know, uh, at least for me personally, and I'd I'd be interested to see what Dan and Becky think from a more of a layperson perspective. But from a medical perspective, I really valued Joe's. It, um, insights into what was going on and his, his candid and, and Frank discussions of what they knew and what they didn't know. And, you know, in, in a way that, that let us understand that we were learning as we went along with, with COVID, which is one of the things that a lot of people don't really remember looking back at it was that we knew nothing about this when it started. And a lot of it in the beginning was best guesses, um, and Joe did a good job of trying to keep the science front and center and what we knew and what we didn't know. So I think, the, you know, that went on for, you know, three years or more. Uh, he still he did a report on COVID stuff, what, a couple maybe a month or so ago where he talked a little bit about yeah. what, you know, what the what was going on as COVID's things changed and wound down.
1: Yeah, and, of course, all the vaccine issues and so forth. There was so much misinformation. It was nice to have somebody we could trust, and anybody that listened to it knew they could trust based on, like you said, based on science. Well, I think that's uh, winding us down here. Any final thoughts, Becky? No, I just want to echo the, the
3: just some, the gratitude to Dr. Dr. Joe and his knowledge during COVID. Um, you know, as, as science people, I know we appreciated that. And then I, especially when uh, when I was pregnant, I appreciated his his knowledge of how COVID impacted pregnancy and you know, vaccines and pregnancy. I, I remember asking him a few questions here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it was it was scary. It was new. We didn't really know. I, we were still trying to avoid it, obviously. And then, of course, I ended up getting it at like two months postpartum. But I just I appreciated his his experience with it and being able to speak from, you know, having seen things in the field, It's just, it was really, really valuable. Um, so yeah, just going to echo that.
2: Dan? Uh, I think it's just, I, I think the the breadth of different topics that this group has covered over what is probably 3,000 episodes. I no, it's not? No, not 3,000. 50 weeks times 10 so 500 episodes is pretty amazing um, and i think it's 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 a great resource for you know for anyone who's interested in the field or who's involved in the field and there's so many different uh, types of things you can learn about um, uh, regarding emergency preparedness and response from, from from this podcast so i think it's i um, been grateful to be a part of it for just a small part of its 10 year history
1: well, you've been a very valuable resource, both of you. And and Joe, I mean, you know, he he's right there in many of these disasters and always gives us a good report on it. Right now, he's out doing FEMA training. You know, it's just he he doesn't slow down. What would we do without him, Jamie?
0: Well, I, you know, I, I think we I can be very frank and say to the audience out there, you wouldn't have a disaster podcast without Joe and his support over the years uh, to, you know, when we've sat there and kind of looked at the numbers and and said, you know, do we want to keep the podcast going? And Joe has always been committed to keeping the show on the, on the air. Um, and I really appreciate that. And I hope that all of you listening to the show or have listened to the episodes in the past. Uh, appreciate that as well. Uh, his support and the support from Paragon Medical Education Group helps uh, pay for hosting, helps pay for um, you know t- our time and, and effort into finding guests for the show and, and everything else that goes into making this podcast come together. So uh, we do want to thank Joe and Paragon Medical Education Group for that support. And I'll just say, you know, please drop them a line. Let them know that you appreciate the Disaster Podcast. If you do nothing else as a thank you for all the episodes we've put out over coming up on the next 10, you know, the last 10 years as we come up on the 10th anniversary here in the next six months or so, um, you know, drop them a line at paragonmedicalgroup.com and just say, thanks for the disaster podcast, because it wouldn't be here without their support. It started with a dinner meeting with them back in 2013 and look where it's come to today. And I think that that's pretty impressive when you think about it.
1: It absolutely is. Um, did we want to get some uh, contact yeah, info? Yeah, we
0: do definitely. Becky, where can folks find where you're posting? I know I'm going to I'm going to share that link of that guest blog post that you did. So we'll definitely have that out there.
3: Yeah, I'll still be posting some. Weather and emergency management information on LinkedIn. You can find me at Becky DePodwin, MSEM, and the Disaster Podcast Facebook group.
0: Excellent. Dan?
2: You can find me on Twitter at WXDepo, D E P O, and uh, LinkedIn as well, Dan DePodwin, and in
0: the uh, Disaster Podcast Facebook group. Excellent. And Sam?
2: All
1: those places under Sam Bradley or Sam Bradley11. And certainly in the disaster, our disaster community, many of them who've been with us pretty much as long as we've had that group. What about you, Jamie?
0: You can find me under the handle PodMedic in most social media locations. So look me up and friend or follow me there. Uh, you can also always find me over at our Facebook group. And of course, don't forget to head over to disasterpodcast.com, where you will find links to subscribe to the show on your favorite mobile device or even by email. Uh, Right there, either on the sidebar of the front page or right below the audio player in any episode page, there are subscribe links. So definitely subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. We're going to have some blast from the past guests on in the coming months as we get closer to episode um, the, the 10th anniversary episode which will be probably at the end of january 2024 i believe so uh, we're going to be kind of picking up to that with a couple episodes between here and there and um, definitely want to make sure you don't miss any of them
1: absolutely i mean looking back i'm amazed at some of the things we were able to do and The people we've met and our ability to get really good information out there and a lot of first-person perspectives so and that was just through 2019 or in into the beginning of 2020 so there was a lot more after that so we'll continue to take a look at this because it's fun to look back at it so pay attention go to disasterpoddesk.com if you haven't already and subscribe